Thousands have been out of a job, and a province's economy is a shadow of what it once was. So the new government is fighting back with a war of words. Jason Kenney was voted in as Premier of Alberta, with the province still in the grip of a recession, the result of a crash in world oil prices. His government says Alberta's oil and gas industry isn't doing well because of international interference and vowed to open up an energy war room to, quote, stand up for Alberta oil and gas. They called it the Canadian Energy Centre. The energy war room will have a mandate to operate much more nimbly and much more quickly with a higher risk tolerance, quite frankly, than is normally the case for government communications. So Hi, I'm Adam Toy. And I'm Dave McIver. And today on This Is Why, we're looking at Alberta's Canadian Energy Centre, what it's supposed to do, what it has done, and why its first month may have cemented its legacy. Hey there, I'm Adam Toy. And I'm Dave McIver, and we were both born and raised in Alberta. My stepfather worked in the oil patch, repping drilling fluids companies, and my family directly benefited. I've even spent some time working on rigs. And now I'm the digital news and social media guy for globalnews.ca and 770 CHQR in Calgary. And I've lived my entire life in Calgary. I've seen the ups and downs of the oil industry, and many of my friends were employed and still are employed here in the province. And I've been part of the morning news team for the last two and a half years. You know, Dave, it's fair to say that Alberta's oil and gas industry has played an important role in our lives. And we've seen people across this province hurting as a result of the oil price crash in 2014 and the recession that followed. Yeah, I I think that's why so many Albertans voted in Jason Kenney and the UCP into government. Part of their platform were promises of a so-called energy war room. Being two guys in the media, we were curious. What would it look like and what would they do? Listen, uh, part of the function here is this, that um, government communications are by nature a little bureaucratic and tend to be a bit slow moving and risk averse. That's the nature of government. It's a big, it's a big uh, organization. The energy war room will have a mandate to operate much more nimbly and much more quickly with a higher risk tolerance, quite frankly, than is normally the case for government communication. So, um, you know, there's an old saying that is misattributed to Mark Twain that uh, the truth can, sorry, a lie can get halfway around the world before the truth can strap its boots on. Well, uh, we can't allow that to continue. The name was announced in October and it opened in December of last year. The War Room got an annual budget of $30 million free from the scrutiny of freedom of information requests. Now, the Canadian Energy Centre has been open just more than a month and it's been an eventful one. Two logos that look suspiciously like existing registered trademarks. Authors posing as journalists. The comment about the Centre's mandate of, quote, disproving the facts that went viral. Questions around the information presented as facts. And the provincially funded private corporation taking aim at organizations like a newspaper in Alberta's sixth largest city and the UN Committee on the Elimination of Racial Discrimination. Like we said, it's been a busy month for the corporation whose purpose it is to tell the story of Alberta's energy sector. So how have they done so far? You know what? Let's go to a pro. Sean Mallon is a communications consultant specializing in crisis communications and media training. He's also Global National's former Europe Bureau Chief. Welcome, Sean. Nice to talk to you, Adam. So, Sean, you heard us mention the many events that have happened with the Canadian Energy Centre. What's your opinion? What's your opinion when you heard the Alberta government was opening that centre? Well, it it reminds me of some other efforts that uh, governments have taken to try to uh, uh, control the agenda and not to, to go through the 
the filter of the news media and try to to bypass them and get to get the message out uh, uh, directly to their audiences. It's been tried, you know, for some years ever since the arrival of social media and uh, and uh, online video. Uh, different governments will uh, will. Uh, broadcast online their own news conferences and in, in the case of Ontario you may have heard of after the the uh, Doug Ford government was uh, was elected a year and a half ago they created their own uh, pseudo news service called Ontario News Now which had its own uh, uh, ersatz uh, reporter fronting stories that were uh, uh, supposed to look like real news stories but of course were effectively conservative party Propaganda. So this is not a new tactic. It uh, has not worked uh, particularly well. I mean, uh, talk to the people who proposed proposed it, you, and they, they will tell you that uh, they feel it, it has worked well, that it has given them a voice to, to go directly to audiences. Others have found it through social media, of course, through their own uh, uh, Facebook postings and Twitter postings. Uh, no better example of that than south of the border with Mr. Trump. Mm-hmm. So it it was uh, it's a it's a tactic that has been uh, tried elsewhere and uh, with uh, middling to mixed success, and um, and it seemed to be a part of a uh, part of a piece of uh, of uh, Premier Kenny's uh, sort of in your face approach to defend Alberta, stand up for Alberta. Is this an effective communication strategy politically in your experience? Effectiveness, I'd, I'd say the answer is mixed. Of course, uh, we all know the effectiveness of uh, and the importance of social media on mm-hmm. reaching your own audience and uh, and the, uh, the requisite uh, precautions that we all need to take about uh, believing what we see online. As Facebook infamously, we know it's not going to weed out uh, stories that are obvious lies posted by politicians um, to their great discredit. Um, so uh, the, the, the success is mixed. You have to be you have to be social social media active. You have to be online active. This kind of particular news service, though, that is uh, such as uh, uh, the Alberta Energy uh, Center, it is um, it is uh, it is unproven. It is unproven mm. to have uh, much impact, and given all the issues that uh, the center has had in its early days, it's uh, it's become a bit more of a joke uh, at the moment. Are these best practices for a PR communications outfit? Because that's what the Canadian Energy Center is, to my mind. Well, the short answer is no, um, because you, you look. They already knew that they were going to be under the microscope. They already mm-hmm. knew it was it was a, an initiative with some controversy. They knew they were going to be challenged by with about anything they say from from the, the opposition, uh, from environmentalists. They already knew that that was a given. In the face of that, you had to be really careful to get the basics right, and choosing a logo. It's a pretty it's a pretty straightforward process. Uh, people do it all the time, almost on a daily basis. There's a process you go through to make sure you haven't uh, adopted something that someone else has, uh, has has used. All the digital aids to try to track down now uh, similar logos. So that that was a big and obvious fail, which just distracted from the message. And uh, Tom Olson's early early interviews uh, were unhelpful as well. You you, you cited the line about. Uh, you know, we're, what is it? We're not, not about, about attacking. attacking. We're about uh, disproving true facts. We have an energy literacy. Well, 
social media has had quite a lot of fun with Mr. Olson uh, on that. But, you know, he's, he's a communications professional. He's worked in governments. Um, and he should have known the value of media training. And he should have known the value of preparing for the kind of interview that he's doing. I think it was a Global Calgary. Mm-hmm that he did that interview. I looked at some of it online, but aside from that howler of a line, I guess he now says that he, he misspoke, but, but nevertheless, if you, if you look at the interview, he's, uh, he's got the, the collar of a shirt is kind of turned up awkwardly and outside his jacket as though no one had to look at him first say, you know, Tom, you know, make sure your shirt is straight because mm-hmm. anyone looking at it is going to say this guy's a, an unmade bed, and it's going to distract from your message, which is another uh, basic of communications. So for, for any launch of any communications initiative, you, you, have to get, you, you have to double, triple check all your facts. When I'm writing something for a corporate client, it will go through multiple, multiple uh, drafts. Multiple eyes go through it to make sure everything is is bang on and correct and exactly the words you want to choose. And so they've they failed on on most of the basics. They were always going to be facing controversy. They were always going to be facing uh, contrary opinions for whatever they're putting forth. But uh, when you when you miss so obviously on some of the basics, it just undercuts you right from the very beginning. Sean, thanks so much for your time. Nice to talk to you. So, Dave, it sounds like from a communications perspective, the Canadian Energy Centre has not had a good debut. Yeah, and Sean made that pretty clear. The Energy War Room isn't really a place where they plan a war of words, so rhetoric is their weapon of choice. If the purpose of the Canadian Energy Centre is to advance the interests of the oil and gas industry in Alberta, are they doing that in their first month? Let's take a look at the messaging and the rhetoric the War Room is using in trying to tell the industry story. Let's give uh, Max Fawcett a call. He's the former editor of Alberta Oil Magazine. Max, we wanted to get you on the line to talk about the Canadian Energy Centre, a topic you've written about in multiple outlets. What do you think about the tone and tenor the Energy War Room has taken in its first month? Uh, This is sort of a theme in the industry that, that predates long predates the energy center it was it was around back when i was the editor of alberta oil magazine which is this notion that the way to deal with critics of the industry is to fight them is to be aggressive is to if only we could get more facts about how great the industry is in the hands of people who criticize the industry all of our problems would you know the the scales would fall from their eyes and and suddenly we would have pipelines in every direction and that's just not how how this works this is a marketing challenge this is a branding challenge and you don't win marketing and branding challenges by fighting with people that you actually lose them that way. So I, I was concerned about the, the, the tone that was struck by the premier and, you know, the, 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 the phrase war room, which is, which is stuck. Uh, not, not a great phrase. Um, and, and I think that sort of combativeness has already shown to be the wrong way to do this. Um, and I guess the question for the premier and for the people in his in his cabinet is is how long are they going to allow this to continue? How much more damage are they going to allow uh, the Canadian Energy Centre to do the industry that they are ostensibly trying to help um, before they put a stop to it? What kind of damage do you do you think it's doing to the brand or you know to the industry in the province? My sense is that they are trying to fight the battle that's already been won. Um, they just don't know it yet. So. 
you know, the, the focus is on is on environmentalists and on NGOs and on on getting pipelines built and, and the role that environmentalists and NGOs have played in, in obstructing that. And, and, you know, let's call a spade a spade. They've been very good at using, you know, uh, pretty limited amounts of money. Um, some of it sent by, by American foundations, yes. Most of it raised in Canada, let's be honest. Um, but they've done quite well at using those budgets to, um, to engineer uh, a pushback against, you know, energy projects that people in Alberta want to see built. But, but they're being built now. So TMX, you know, shovels are in the ground. Pipe is going in the ground. Uh, the only thing that's going to stop that is a court case. There's nothing that the energy center could possibly do to accelerate or, or you know, or, or an NGO could do to slow it. It's, it's in the courts. So, so we have the pipelines happening now that, that industry wants and needs. The next battle is the battle for capital. It's the battle for funding. It's the battle for money. And that's going to be fought in, uh, and there I go using that language, see how effective it is, I guess. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, the conversation is around capital, and that's happening in Toronto, in London, in New York. Um, and, and, you know, the bankers there, the, the hedge fund managers, the, the pension fund managers, they don't like the, the combativeness. They don't like the you're with us or you're against us. All they want to know is, are they going to make money? And is there, what is the risk profile of their investment? Let's take a moment. Before we continue with Max, let's find out from one of the experts who knows what investors are looking for. His name is Phil Skolnick. He's the Managing Director of Equity Research with a focus on Canada's energy industry with eight capital in New York. Here's what Phil said investors are looking for. Uh, so, you know, they're, they're looking for, you know, a view on, you know, when do pipelines, new pipelines or pipe capacity come, come about, um, you know, it, Will TMX be a reality? Will Keystone Excel be a reality? But you know, there's also little uh, incremental ads happening here and there on the on the main line um, that Enbridge talks about. But you know, they look for that. They want to know about differentials. What's the risk to differentials? Um, you know, but they're also ESG is becoming a big part of mm-hmm. of uh, discussions with investors. Um, That's environmental, you know, social, part, and governance. Is that right? Correct. That's correct. And, and, you know, it's, it's, uh, the E part is, is becoming a bigger factor in it. Um, you know, so I, I am spending a, a little bit more time discussing the E part with, uh, with investors, but, you know, returns of companies are still the, the major factor, um, oh. at play. And that's what, um, investors care about. All right. And side note, back to Max. And so, you know, if the, if the Canadian Energy Center wanted to be helpful, it could be providing unbiased, you know, spin-free information for those organizations to help them make their decisions. And I think there's a compelling case that they should stay invested in a lot of the companies in in the oil patch in Alberta. But, you know, if the Energy Canadian Energy Center is going out there attacking them, um, you know, as the Premier has, you know, now in fairness, the Canadian Energy Center hasn't Hasn't attacked Moody's yet, Um, (laughs) but the the Premier did. The bigger challenge we have, Danielle, is increasingly financial institutions, and this includes apparently Moody's, are buying into the the political agenda emanating from Europe, which is uh, trying to uh, stigmatize uh, development of hydrocarbon energy. And uh, I, I, I just think they are completely factually wrong. That's a very dangerous path to go down, and, and that's sort of what worries me is, you know, they're, they're focused on fighting the people that maybe they should have been engaging with 10 years ago rather than engaging with the people they need to be engaging with today. 
So, Max, you've written for regional and national news outlets, and you've lived in cities across this country. How does the messaging the Canadian Energy Centre uses compare to what you used to publish in Alberta Oil Magazine, and is that what Canadians need to hear? The whole point of communications is not to convince people who are already convinced. The point of communications is to convince people who are still up for grabs. And the people who are up for grabs are not in Alberta. They're in Vancouver, they're in the Lower Mainland, they're in Toronto, they're in... Montreal, they're in New York, they're in all these other places. And you need more sophisticated marketing and communications efforts there because those people, they don't have the same, you know, um, awareness of oil and gas that people in Alberta do. They don't, I mean, you know, I grew up in Vancouver. Most people don't understand where their energy comes from here, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, the problem is one of the the messages that industry tends to, to, to rely on is, you know, they tend to want to remind people of how grateful they should be. Well, I, I don't know about, about you, but in, in my experience, when you try to tell someone that they are insufficiently grateful for a thing that you have provided, it doesn't usually make them more grateful. It sometimes makes them more resentful um, that you're, you know, you're reminding them of this, that you're rubbing their faces in it. So, mm-hmm. you know, they, they just need to have, uh, I guess, a more cosmopolitan approach. And, and one of the things that I tried to do when I was at Alberta Oil was bring a perspective that was not of the industry to the industry. You know, I'm from Vancouver. I've lived in Toronto, but I'm also, you know, my parent, my grandparents are from Alberta. I love Alberta. Um, and, and I lived in Alberta and, you know, I, I tried to bring the perspective of here's what the, here's what people outside see. And here's what I can show you about that perspective and how to, how to, you know, get around it. And I think that's really what's needed is it's not saying that people in, in Calgary and Alberta don't understand just that they need to hear other voices. And so bring in people from other parts of Canada and ask them, you know, not why are you not grateful for fossil fuels or why do you not support the industry? But, you know, how does this look to you? What do you think we should do? At the end of the day, this is a Canadian issue. We all benefit from oil and gas as Canadians. And I think, I think there has been some interesting, I've seen it in the messaging. The messaging has definitely started to shift away from, you know, um, talking about energy being an Albertan thing to be a Canadian thing. And that's very smart um, because I think, you know, obviously people in the rest of the country are more inclined just naturally to support things that are quote unquote Canadian. And this is, this is something that the government of Alberta could do is, you know, maybe in, in partnership with other provincial premiers have sort of national roundtables in different parts of the country about uh, the energy sector and about climate change and what we should do, you know, so have conversations in, you know, uh, Kamloops and, uh, Sudbury and you know New Brun- St. John, New Brunswick, and all these different places, and try to build a national consensus. Um, but I still don't see it right now. I still see too much sort of tribalism. I see too much preaching to the choir, and and preaching to the choir feels good, but it doesn't grow the size of the congregation. Max, thanks so much for your time. Hey, uh, appreciate the conversation and, and appreciate the opportunity. Energy Center has stumbled in its first month. It was accused of stealing a company's logo not once, but twice. Its authors misrepresented themselves as journalists in the process of writing their articles, which can rightly be described as propaganda. In one of the first televised interviews, the Center CEO misspoke, and that clip went viral. Industry watchers noted on many occasions that the information presented as facts in their arguments was misrepresented. 
All from a controversial strategy of being their own quote-unquote media outlet, akin to the one used by the Ford government. If first impressions are everything, the energy war room has made quite the splash, but perhaps not the way it intended. We reached out to Alberta's Minister of Energy and the Canadian Energy Centre to join us to talk about the work they've done so far. Grady Simmons from the Centre declined the interview, but he said he'd love to have Tom Olson on to chat at a later date, so stay tuned for that. This Is Why is produced by me, Dave McIver, and Adam Toy. It's a national radio show and a podcast. You can reach us by email, thisiswhy at globalnews.ca and on Twitter at This Is Why. If you like what you hear and want to hear more, subscribe to This Is Why on your favorite podcast platform. And while you're there, give us a five-star rating. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.